TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. We're the hustle and bustle of Atlanta, Georgia meets the grit and grind of Memphis. I'm your host, Kiki Love, and this is Keys Company. Welcome. All right, guys, so I would, so I feel like typically people come in and introduce their podcast and they're like, hey, so this is what we're going to be doing and this is what it's about, but I'm not necessarily going to do that. I'm more so of the type of person that's ready to jump head first. I will have another one where I will tell you more about what you're going to be getting yourself into with listening, but first off, I got to rant. <sighs> So, if you know me, you know that I have a big heart for people, and I care about people. And I'm getting a little choked up because I really care about this subject. So, when I was a senior in college, I encountered this thing. Well, I encountered two things. So, one thing was this thing called A21, where it's a walk for sex trafficking. Um, And there's one here, a chapter here in Memphis, run by Shalom Fisk. But... Another thing I encountered was Cleo's Closet. And Cleo's Closet is at the university. It was at the University of Memphis. It was in Mitchell Hall. And it was open 24-7. And you didn't have to know who was going in and out. Nobody knew who you were. You were free to go in and get what you needed. It offered things such as non-perishable items, um, soap, tissue. You could get clothing that was casual or business professional. It had... So it essentially helped those students that couldn't help themselves or maybe your family had to pitch in a lot or maybe even you had to work to take care of your family. And they got rid of it after I graduated. So when I, the Lord kept putting it on my heart. So when I went back to find out more about it, I found out that they turned it into the Tiger Pantry. And now I went to the Tiger Pantry to drop off some stuff because I was like, you know what? I have some money. Um, and I always talk about, oh, you know, you should do things for your community. Well, let me put my money where my mouth is and let me take some stuff up here. So I gathered all my little stuff and strutted my little self in there. It's now located in the UC. And now if you know anything about the UC, it eventually closes. Mitchell Hall was open just about 24-7. So I go in and I asked the girl at the desk and I was like, hey, can I get in the Cleo's closet? I would like to see more about it. Because what became near and dear to me is I wanted to try and reach out to places such as Dove always um, just stuff to, to see if they could give whatever they could so that the students would have more resources because I feel like our pockets can only go so far and I get there only to find out that you have to schedule an appointment with the dean of students to be able to get inside and that's only available 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday and I was an RA. Girls didn't need these things. People, students didn't need these things. 
at 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They needed these things in the wee hours of the night, in the wee hours of the morning. And so what you're telling me is you took something that people were using as a resource and you took it upon yourself to take it away from them and to put it somewhere where you could better control it. But then you add no value to it. I feel like they're just doing it to say that they have something there, but they don't truly care about those students. They don't care about the kid that can't afford to pay for it because they're paying for food for their family. And so they themselves go hungry. They don't care about the student that has class from 9 to 3 p.m. and then has to go to work because they have to pay rent. They don't think about the students that are homeless. And the only thing they have, the only type of shelter they truly have is going to school or going to a homeless shelter or living in their car. I And I mean, I encountered a guy who was like, dang, I wish I knew about this when I was hungry. And so it's like you're not putting in the publicity to make it known to people. And you're not even um, making it available for people, for real, for real. You're doing what's convenient for you. And to me, that pissed me off. It's like you don't care about these students. You care about yourself. You care about your pockets. You don't care about those hungry students. You don't care about the girl that can't afford to go and get tampons or pads for herself. And it irks me so bad because it's like you could have made that a student job. You could have asked somebody to volunteer. Shoot, if somebody had asked me, hey, could you take this on as a project? I know you graduated, but you seemed passionate when you were here in school. I would have jumped at the opportunity. But nobody presented it. And then when I went to try and go do that after I graduated, oh, we gave it to somebody else and they're working with it. I said, cool, well, get me in contact with that person. I went to the UC where it now is, and those people don't even know what it really is. The people that work there, the people that are in contact with the students, who the, the students will have to talk to to get in there, don't really know what that is. And so it's like, if you don't care about it enough, then give it back to the people that had it to begin with because they cared about it. And I believe originally um, Gah was over, which is like the African-American students um, were over it back then because that's exactly who is affected by those things. African-American students, not even necessarily just African-American students, but students of color or students of a lower income household. And they needed those things. And so they take it away. And so for me, um, so y'all get a little bit of who I am through that. So I really care about people. I'm really passionate about people because the Lord loves people. And that's where my heart is. Um, and it's for his people. So y'all just get a little bit of that. So that was a little bit of a rant for me um, to begin with. So I promise y'all I don't complain a lot, but I am very passionate. So I do go hard for what I love. And I do love people because the Lord loves people. Um, but welcome to it and so just as I was talking about the uppers not caring about the students I brought some teachers on to talk about their students and their struggles as teachers here in the city of Memphis so I would like to welcome Chaz hello everyone Chaz what do you do what do you teach I am an eighth grade I'm an eighth grade history teacher here in Memphis Tennessee that's U.S. history for the most part okay and I have Paige. Hello. And Paige, what do you teach? I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th grade math at Booker T. Washington High School and Middle School. Um, and these are two of, like, my favorite people, guys. I am sharing with you guys my big sisters, and so that means a whole lot to me. That means I really like y'all for the most part. Look, <laughs> I don't share everybody. Look, look, if you know, if you get to meet them, then it's a whole nother situation, but that you get to peer into their, you get to peek into their lives like this. I guess I care about y'all a little bit of something. So 
You guys, I would like for you guys to start off by telling me, I mean, I'm probably not the only person that don't really understand this, the difference between a charter school, a private school, and a public school. Well, there's there's a lot of difference, and, and even within those sectors, there's a lot of difference, because mm-hmm. there's private charters and public charters and all kinds of things, but for the most for the most part, you know, public school is is a federally run school, uh, right? The government takes care of it, taxes take care of it, um, and every child is essentially zoned to a public school, um, and they have to abide by state standards and federal standards. There's certain there's certain rules and regulations that public schools have to abide by in order to receive federal funding and state funding, um, and then you have private schools which are privately funded. Um, so they get to set their own standards and basically run the schools how they would like to, however they see fit. Um, and so there's not they can dictate their own budgets and and hire whatever people they need to hire and set their own schedules and things of that sort. And then you have charters, um, and charters usually have a lot of autonomy as well, but it depends on. Um, what organization is running them, right? So there's uh, different school districts like the Achievement School District, which has charters in it, but the Achievement School District is still a state district, so they still have certain state standards they have to meet even though they're charter schools and have a little autonomy as to how they're going to meet those standards. Uh, So um, it just depends on – basically it just depends on where the money comes from. Okay. That's all. That's all. Okay. I always wanted to know, but like, and I mean, I asked Jazz before, but I was like, maybe yeah. somebody else doesn't yeah. necessarily All understand that means that is It tells you where the money's coming from. Tells you where the money's coming from. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to start with that part just to kind of get a groundwork. <laughs> um, but I would like to start this off on a happy note because I know that you guys as teachers and then it's getting close to that halfway mark for y'all. Um, <laughs> not the hands, not the worship hands, y'all. I'm so done. But um, I just wanted to talk about something lighter because in a minute we are going to go to a, maybe a darker place. Um, but tell me just some of your fondest memories teaching um, this year. So let's highlight good things that have happened this year um, to be an encouragement for you guys as you continue to finish. So just tell me some nice stories about things that have happened this year. Paige. Okay. Um, hmm. I feel like the good things that's happened this year is just watching um, my students grow from last year to this year. And because I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I have the opportunity to literally see the kids grow, you know, from grade to grade. So, Some of them, starting off, they may have uh, different struggles academically or even behaviorally, and I just see the growth there. I also just get to build relationships with them, and that's the best part about the work that teachers do, in my opinion. I feel like building relationships with the students is what makes me come back every single day. And so... um, I was just thanking the Lord for uh, just some of the girls that I teach. And I now teach boys and girls um, because our school is gender-based. So one of the things, um, one of the good things that they just implemented was um, 
I and another teacher, Coach Wolf. His name is Coach Wolf. He teaches the boys math. I teach the girls math. They put us together. So we're both now teaching math together. So it's always helpful to have a Mm -hmm. co-teacher. It just makes it so much better. Um, We vibe well together, and we can bounce ideas off of each other. We were already working together. So I just feel like as a team, um, we just make teaching great for the kids. So that's something good as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Chess? Yes. All right. Well, you limited it to this year. So, um, I have one memory Jesus. <laughs> from this year. It's been a struggle, y'all. My God. It's been a struggle. But uh, the other day, on Wednesdays, uh, our students get out early. Uh, they get out an hour earlier. And that's our meeting days, professional development days. And so they have a class on Wednesday called College and Career Readiness. But this Wednesday, during the class, we came for uh, a whole school auditorium uh, meeting. And we had a visitor from the Global Youth Initiative. Um, And basically, their whole thing is, right, to just spread positive vibes to children and inspire them to to be better, basically. And so our um, speaker, Mr. Brown, um, his whole message was about failures and how to fail forward and how to use failures to, to prop you up for a success. So it's definitely something that I needed to hear at the moment. But um, a part of his message was um, communicating with people who have, like, added value to your life and who have been there for you and to to let them know that. So he had these, like, pre-written notes for the students and for the teachers to write on. And all you had to do was basically add a reason as to why you were writing to that person and they could write to anybody they wanted to write to. But um, two notes. I got four notes from students. Mm. And two of them really, 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 really made me smile and, and warm my heart. And so I got one from a student who's in my homeroom. And he doesn't talk a lot. I mean, he talks a lot to his friends, but he doesn't talk a lot, like, in class. And when he does, his voice is very low. Um, and he has some issues academically. Um, and some problems that limit his learning, and we have to work around that. And so I got a note from him that told me that I was his favorite teacher, which I would have never guessed in a million years, um, and that I always help him when he needs it the most. Um, And and warmed my heart because typically on a day, like, he's he's easily one to kind of forget because he's so quiet. And in, in the chaos that we have going on, it's hard to remember the good students sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I I was grateful for that note because I, I was able to remember a good student and one that tries, um, even in the midst of chaotic moments, uh, he always does what exactly what he's supposed to do. And then uh, another student, I remember early on in the year, and I, kids, chaos. That's all it was. There's no other way to say it. And... The only thing I could say was, y'all need Jesus. That's all I could say. <laughs> and there was a student in my classroom, and she said, you ain't lying. <laughs> and um, I was like, you need him too. She said, I go to church. I said, that don't mean nothing. So we got into this whole conversation about Jesus and being saved and what that really means. And then she came back a few weeks later, and she was like, 
Miss Taylor, I got saved yesterday. And I said, praise him. <laughs> I said, praise him, praise him. So, but then I asked her, like, what that meant and, like, what do you mean you got saved? And when we talked about it some more. And uh, I said, cool. So I wrote her a note that day and just let us know, like, if she ever wanted to pray together or, like, um, or just talk about the Bible, you know, just let me know, hit me up. Um, and so then she wrote me a note and basically thanked me she considered me as a big part of her salvation, and Aww. I would have never guessed that either because we only had two conversations, <laughs> and it was, they weren't super deep either. And so she was like, you know, you help me find Jesus, and that's something I'll always have, something I'll always remember. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if nothing else happens this year, you know, somebody oh, found Jesus, you know. So Praise Y'all be praising me. Turn up. Um, all right, so, but before my next question, you said something about gender-based in your school. That's something that piqued my interest. Like, what does that mean? So, basically, um, the way our classes are set up, uh, we have gender-based classes. So, all girls take classes together and all boys take classes together mm-hmm. because research tells us that boys learn differently from girls mm-hmm. and basically... Um, they're able to perform better when you put them in that environment mm-hmm. where you can specifically um, implement those different strategies. So, for example, girls are chatty. They like to talk. So you may do more discussions in the class with girls. Boys, they like to run around, <laughs> uh, exert all this different energy. Amen. Amen. So Amen. <laughs> you could do different things with them like – um, gallery walks let them get up and move around the room or Mm -hmm. um you might just do take them to the gym to do um statistics mean median mode let them bounce the ball whatever that helps them learn better and so um that is something that we are like serious about at our school implementing those different strategies for our kids okay do you know if you guys are like the only school that does that or are you the first one to implement that here in memphis or you don't know I am actually not positive. I don't believe that we're the only school that does it. Um, But I do know that um, we were one of the first schools to implement that. Jess? Just curious. Have y'all read into any gender issues? Yes. That's most definitely about to be my question. Especially with the national conversation that's been happening in the last few years. Um. Yes, I feel like you can expect that kind of stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that it's a it's a big problem at our school. Uh, they know what to expect. They know that they're going to be taking classes with boys. Okay. Boys going to be taking classes with boys. And, and it's, it's, it's okay. So y'all cool. go by birth gender. Mm-hmm. Okay. It just is it what it is. It is what it is. Okay. I know. I understand. Because um, I was about to say. Cool. So. I mean, I'm just wondering. Yeah. You know, yeah. So rape gender, not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I was about to say, like, so how does that work out in the classroom? All right, but you covered that for me. Thank you. Um. So moving to my next question, there were two things that kind of popped in my head. So coming here from where I came from, um, technology was a big deal back home. Um. Oh, y'all don't know my bad. I'm from Georgia, so back home in Georgia. Technology was a big deal. So we were like already implementing these boards where like the teacher could write directly on the same board that they project onto. Um, and then so when I came here, um, that that wasn't happening. They still had the 
the regular ones you wheel in, you know, and you got to put the light bulb in and then change it if it ain't working, all that stuff. So that's where, for, and for me, that was like a, a culture shock in a sense. It's like, okay, this, this is what we're doing now. All right. Um, so how do you, how often are your students in, like involved with technology and are they, do you guys get to foster a creative side to them? Is it something that you guys implement or is it just not happening? Um, I'm actually, I enjoy passionate conversation about technology and education because people assume because there is technology, therefore the school is automatically better and mm-hmm. technology doesn't make a school mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost. I know we're like in a technical age and like, and there's so many schools that are focused on STEM and STEAM and that's, you know, science, technology, engineering, math. Some schools throw in the arts. That's why you get STEAM. But uh, technology doesn't make a school, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is useful, it is beneficial, and it is necessary. Mm -hmm. But it has to be implemented correctly. Uh, I believe so. I mean, because, I mean... And I, I believe most schools, in, especially in, in Memphis, have those capabilities and have those resources um, in certain classrooms to use technology. But I don't think you need them in every classroom. Mm-hmm. I think a projector is just as fine as a Promethean board because you're essentially doing the same thing if you're circling something with a dry erase marker. Mm-hmm. Then if you circle it with a pen, that'll circle it on the board. Like, it's the same thing, still calling attention to it. Um, paper and pencil still work just fine. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 when and which is interesting because the school I'm at is a one-to-one school, so there's one laptop for every child in our school, mm-hmm. um, and we we are supposed to be implementing technology into our classrooms, but uh, my thing is it needs to be appropriate, and it needs to be valuable, and it needs to be helpful. Like yeah. implementing technology for the sake of saying we have technology is a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Is a waste of their time. Like when when the if we are so technology based and the internet's down, what are we doing? <laughs> All right. If we if we don't get students logging information quickly enough, then Most I got a group time. of students sitting over here not doing any work. Yeah. Because we technology based and they can't even log on to the system. Um and you know, and then if the platforms that we're using on the computers isn't beneficial to me, right? So like I've for instance and and some teachers, their teaching styles just don't fit with technology. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't be forced to be a type of teacher that they aren't. Right? You know, if that's not the if that school's not the fit for them, fine, I understand, right? But just because we have it don't mean you gotta use it. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a time and a place, essentially, yeah. is what I'm saying. Because for me coming in from, like, we weren't like, what was it? Well, how would I say it? We weren't like technology-based, like this is all we did. Mm-hmm. But I can say in elementary school, we did interact with the commuter. So I was typing at a certain level mm-hmm. already versus when I come here, and nobody's using a computer. Not at all. Right. Um but it's not, okay, not necessarily here, but it's, like, out in the country, y'all. Um, and so, like, it's a totally different game. Yeah. But, like, nobody's in the um, computer. And so when I sit at a computer and I'm typing at a certain speed and I'm not looking down, they're, like, so... And then the other kids are looking, like, so... Yeah. What am I doing? Right. Um, and so for for me, more so, the question is, 
would there are there here's a better question are there classes that students can go to like can sign up for if they want to um intake like typing classes or just learning the Mm -hmm. basics because there are some people that i've encountered even at like memphis that didn't know how to use a computer like we had to teach them are you from tennessee page uh, well, I've been here since I was nine, so. Okay, yes. okay. I was, I was just thinking about, like, I mean, you go to school here and things right, like that. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, mm. Tennessee education has changed and not changed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I was in school, we had, and now granted, I'm not from a big city. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's a little more contained and... Uh, variety is a lot easier to implement because, you know, it was a, a one-town school system, yeah. you know, that everybody went through. And so we, when I was in high school, we had a vocational track, we had a blended yeah. track, and we had a university track. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and you had, in eighth grade, you had to pick a track. Mm-hmm. And you had to, and you knew exactly what classes you were taking. Exactly, and if you yeah. chose a vocational track, there were three tracks within the vocational track that you could choose, Dang. right? You could become a licensed mechanic, you could become a licensed welder, and, or you could, uh, or there was the farming track because we were in a rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those were the three vocational tracks inside of vocation. Then you had the blended track which is where you maybe took honors classes, but you still did a vocational track at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there was the university track where every you took all upper-level classes, period, mm-hmm. uh, because you knew for sure that you were going to somebody's college or university, right? You had, you had plans at least to go there, so you wanted to be prepared as possible. And so within all of those tracks, though, we had technical classes. Like, we had keyboarding class, mm-hmm. and we... Learned how to like. I remember my keyboard in class. The paper we typed an MLA paper, yeah. and the paper was about how to type an MLA paper. <laughs> and I still remember <laughs> typing that paper. Like when you got to paragraph one, it was all about how to write an introduction. Like mm-hmm. I was typing a paragraph about how to write an introduction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I think where we miss the mark with technology is we are introducing all of these careers and all of this innovation, mm-hmm. but no skills. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, it ain't no point in, you know. And I think that's where a lot of our education is going wrong. Like, we, it's all about, like, innovation and thinking and critical thinking, which is amazing, and people need to know how to think. Uh-huh. But I also need to know how to apply my thinking, and yeah. I need skills to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you better say something, Chad, because baby, some people can't boil eggs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's I totally agree with what Chad said about um, basically everything she just said. I think uh, technology, the generation that's coming up, they come out the womb on the phone. Yep, like they swiping that junk, mm-hmm. and so it's like, uh, yeah, technology is getting ready to take over, but. I agree. Like, mm-hmm. you have to know how to apply. Um, I think that for me, I enjoy using technology for data-driven instruction mm-hmm. and, like, being able to see um, where my kids are, how it just breaks it all down, and it just helps me to teach them better. Um, I do like some of the programs that they're coming out with 
um, for students to use, like Mastery Connect, mm-hmm. um, Khan Academy, yeah. like all Shout those out to different the people things. That made Mastery Connect, Can yes, you hear me? Lord, it's <laughs> Lord. so good, it's so good. Um, so I, it's a lot of things that I do appreciate about technology, mm-hmm. um, but I wish that, um, like we're just now getting or supposed to be getting laptops for each individual student Mm -hmm. you know that hasn't happened yet and so like even having enough computers Mm -hmm. to use and you want everybody to get on already um and it's something that has to be done for the students Mm -hmm. it's it's an intervention that has to be done about or how we gonna do that when we don't have the technology to do that for every student and so it just yeah there's mm -hmm. a lot of hang-ups i mean I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we need to know how to implement Foundation it, when to implement key. it. Like, the logistics should be worked out yes. mm-hmm. before we just roll something out. And that's the problem with a lot that's going on in education. We just throwing stuff out there and no logistics, like, no plans, no nothing. I'm just and, – and the teachers and the students got to take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. I feel you. So, um – just kind of tying this together a little bit. The reason why I kind of asked about like technology in the classroom and things of that nature, but I also asked you at the beginning to tell the difference between the school types. Um, was this kind of this question popped in my head because I remember we had a conversation um, briefly about it. Me and Chase did. Uh, but can you guys tell me how they how the gifted students in your schools are treated? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, Better, I'm trying to better put it. No, that's about right. So, how do they treat the gifted students as they call them? So, the more advanced for their grade level. Um, I think at my school, you know, of course, all students are valued mm-hmm. in their learning. Um, I think with gifted students, we want to challenge them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to. We we believe in like tiering our assignments, and so when the students. They, we want them to be able to move from level to level, basically. Um, so with the gifted students, we really don't want them just, oh, I'm done with this. Help somebody else. Go help somebody else. Like, we really want to challenge them mm-hmm. to, you know, do above mm-hmm. and beyond what they're capable of doing. So I think that that's the approach at my school. Um, just making sure, like, even if we have to make a curriculum just for them, you know, they're being challenged. Yeah. Yeah, I I think by far and large gifted students and gifted students and students with disabilities are largely ignored Mm -hmm. um, and not taken care of the way they should be. Mm -hmm. And so, so like teaching all together for me, it's been about two and a half years, right? Half this year. And then last year was my first year, and then I did student teaching. So, and like, and that's been three different schools, right? Two public charters, one public school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's. I mean, public schools, right? It's. I mean, it can be done, but it, but it's difficult when when the state tells you and and the and the federal government tell you how the money must be spent, right? That's yeah. it's difficult. To get around those things. I mean, there are ways, but, um, you know, you don't want to do anything to lose that funding because it's already limited. Um, but, and I think in public schools, in certain public schools in certain areas, we get away with an honors program that's not really an honors program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sad. And then in, in public 
charter well in charter schools generally um they seek to make the entire experience a challenging one right mm-hmm. and so that they don't i mean they're going me around there might still be some gifted students um and then p- charter high schools i know they do um typically they do well with you know getting those students the extra that they need to to perform at their gifted levels but um Generally speaking, from what I see, charter schools typically try to have an overall challenging experience that mm-hmm. the entire population has to meet. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the gifted students are challenged, but the regular students are challenged as well because they're trying to get to where the gifted is already starting. And so yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, so there, yeah. I, I see um, just in this, this part of it about it. So, yeah, there's a lot of... You want there's a lot of things to go into with that. So I'm going to let you guys digest that, and we'll be right back. So we're going to take a minute and hear one of my favorite people right quick, um, and then I'll be back to talk to you. Don't go nowhere. We drop bows on them. Drop bows on them. When we We drop bows on them. Drop bows on them. When we We drop bows on them. Drop bows on them. When we Cadillac grills, Cadillac mills. Check out the oil my Cadillac spills. Matter of fact, candy paint Cadillac kills. So check out the holes my Cadillac fills. 20 inch wide, 20 inch high. Hold on to like my 20 inch ride. 20 inch thighs make 20 inch eyes. Hoping for American 20 inch pies. Pretty ass clothes, pretty ass toes. Oh how I love these pretty ass hoes. Pretty ass high class anything goes. Catch them in the club throwing pretty ass bows. Long John draws, long John stalls. Anything puss make my long John pause. Women on they sale making long John calls. And if they like it, all my players in the house that can buy the bar and the ballin' ass niggas with the candy cars. If you a pimp and you know you don't love them hoes. All right, guys, and welcome back to Keith's company. And my company is still here, so I need y'all to pay attention. Um. So that song, if you haven't realized this far, the first song was by Outkast, um, and that was just by Ludacris. Um, so I grew up in Georgia, and I picked that song in particular because when I was going to school in Georgia, I would ride the school bus from my house to school and all that good stuff. And it was it was a good for me in Georgia. It was a good experience riding on the school bus because I got to be with my friends and stuff. And our bus driver was cool, so we listened to music. And one day in particular, um, I'm on the bus. We enjoying the music, and this was around the time that Ludacris had an actual radio um, show. I don't know whether or not y'all know that, but Luda had a show, and my mom was going by the name BJ. I'm on the bus, and girl, a voice sounded real familiar, and it was most definitely my mama <laughs> on the, on the phone with Luda because she, at this point in time, my mama life, she was gonna marry Ludacris. This was her husband mm-hmm. next to Denzel, of course, after the Rock. <laughs> but yes, and so the kids on the bus are like, "Hey, here, there's your your mom's on the radio," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Yep, that's her. Mm-hmm. And then it's so funny because at that point in time, Luda always knew who my mom was. She would be like, hey, BJ, um, oh, BJ's on the line. I'm like, oh, God. And so a lot of the kids <laughs> was like, oh, so your mom's on the radio. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, kids. Um, and thanks, my mom, I love you. But, 
I get it from you. I guess I get it honest because I most definitely saw this man walk through uh, the Cross and Conquest building that was fine, and I most definitely was like, my yes, God. Lord. The Lord took some time on him. When I tell you this man <laughs> when the was Lord a did nice, his work. tall, uh, chocolate, when the Lord did his man. work. Oh, the man did his work. Won't he do it? Time on yeah. him. Right. I, he, took, he took all the time on him. Yeah, I wish he would have took a little bit more time on me, but that's all right. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're not going to do. There's a list. <laughs> There's a list. And at the top of the list, I think that we're not going right, to do. All right, all right, all right. Forgive me, Lord. Of, forgive me, Lord. You better tell him you forgive was made me, his image. Yes, I was. I'm, I'm good. So I'm perfect. Yes, ma'am. Come on, fearfully and wonderfully, mate. Um, now... And I kind of told that story to kind of tell, to kind of bring in transportation more so, um, and how kids get to school. Can you tell me about that um, that situation? Because I know that not everybody um, takes the bus to school, and so that was kind of a shock for me as well because I'm used to you know that or being dropped off at school. So I know that's not necessarily how all students get to school. Can you tell me a little bit about your students and how they have to get to school, and you know? Well, my school, most of our students are walkers, so they live in the neighborhood and they walk home. But we have a few students who parents drop them off and pick them up. And then we also have two buses that run um, in the neighborhood and a little further outside the neighborhood uh, for students to get home. Um, But a lot of the students in our school are very transient, and so, Mm. like, they are always moving all over the city, and they might not necessarily move schools. So I even have a few students that have to take the matter bus to get to school. Mm. Like they have to get up real early and, and ride an hour or two on the matter bus to get to school. Um, and so, you know, uh, I mean, for the most part, they they all get there, but... Uh, kids live in a neighborhood as well and a lot of them are now either taking the Metabus or being dropped off because a lot of them lived in the foot homes projects they closed them down mm. um or tore them down and so a lot of them are coming from different areas now mm-hmm. um and there are a, a few students who you know some teachers will go and pick up you mm-hmm. know just to make sure they get to school um, so I would say most of our kids do walk to school, but then a lot of them are either riding the bus or being dropped off. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of tell me like how that transportation and like that home life, like from whatever it is that they deal with at home to them coming to school, that process, like how does that affect them in the classroom and how does that trickle to you guys? Mm. That's a that is a subject. I'm just gonna say that Um, our children deal with a lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. and as teachers, we have to remember that these kids are going through a lot of stuff, stuff that I can't even fathom, Mm -hmm. um, that I didn't go through when I was a child. But like our kids are dealing with a lot, and so when they come in. They've already been through so much. some yeah. hell, like real talk. Um, and so when they come in and they just don't want to work or they want to put their head down uh, or they got an attitude, um, I try to seek to understand what's going on. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, did something happen at home or 
you know, instead of just, hey, man, sit up. Or, Come on, man. you know, whatever I'm saying to them to, to, to piss them off even more. Yeah. Um, just going over and, and showing some some empathy and just trying to figure out, well, what's going on, baby? Are you okay? Um, a lot of them didn't get any sleep. They're tired. Or uh, we got some kids that are homeless. Um, mm-hmm. We have kids who are dealing with, like, just all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Kids raising kids, and it's just a lot. Um, and so it definitely, it definitely takes a toll on them. And how can we expect them to function and learn when they're dealing with all these other different things outside of school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. And like, uh, yeah, my bad. Got to be on the mic. But mm-hmm. yes, I definitely agree with uh, what Paige is saying. And. Uh, Y'all have just got so many soapboxes. I don't be knowing which one to get on and get off of. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I do understand, you know, my, my upbringing is not drastically similar, but I can understand some of the things that they are going through, like, and, uh, and some of the psychological effects that trauma and, can have on you as, as a young child and how that can translate into school. Um, and having teachers just tell you to, you know, get over it or do what you're supposed to do. Um, and to a certain degree that is necessary, right? Because life is still going to go on, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what you've been through. And there are some things that you are just going to have to push through yeah. and get through and do what you got to do for you. Um, but at the same time, there are some things that need to be dealt with in order for you to push through and, and do what you got to do for you. And my confusion is we seem to know this, that these students got all these issues, yet we structure a school day where we have no time to deal with any of these issues. Right. All we exactly. can do is yeah. teach. And I'm like, here we got students some students, you know, who are asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, we got 40 hours a week with these kids, right? Mm-hmm. And all we seem concerned about is test scores for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we here we got 40 hours a week. What's what's 5 out of 40 hours, you know, what's a nap time? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm 27, baby, and yeah, I, I enjoy my right time. Do you hear me? Uh, mm-hmm. and so like, what, what's, what's a nap time for some kids? And, and for the kids that don't want nap time, that could be a gifted time, like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or students with disabilities, that could be an hour for them if they need the extra help. But like, what's an hour out of the day for students to go to sleep? Um, and I had a student do that the other day, literally. I just, I told him to lay his head down and I said, go to sleep because he was so tired and he couldn't function. He couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so like, and what's an hour out of the day students Having fun. Like, mm-hmm. they go home and they got to do homework if they got it. They got to feed other kids. They got to go pick Being up other adult. kids from school. Like, what's the hour of that. having fun, having a conversation? Because they don't get it nowhere else. They're going to get it in the middle of my classroom, which they do. <laughs> um, so, like, what's, what's 10 out of 40 hours giving these students what they need to be kids right yeah. what's 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 another five hours of giving them the psychological help that they need right yeah mm. we still got time to teach mm-hmm. mm. 
But we focus so much of the day around teaching and test scores and data and data and data. Mm -hmm. And we know these kids got problems and we expect teachers to teach through it and we expect students to learn through it. Mm -hmm. And but yet we want to consider it when things happen in the school. And I'm just like, that don't make sense. We ain't dealing with nothing. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. So you were kind of talking about like how we know all these things, but still they aren't being a part of the structure for an everyday class or just like throughout the week or whatever the case may be where it can, wherever it can fit in. Um, so I asked you to write a poem for us. If you didn't know, you guys, Chaz yeah. is a poet uh-huh. and she know it. Um, you see me, hey, real nigga poetry come through. Now it's a whole tour. You but, slow. I have I asked Chance to make a poem and I would like for you to recite it at this moment if you can. Well I'm not gonna recite it, I'm gonna read it. Well read it, do what you gotta do, baby. Right, all right. But okay, I'm just gonna go with it. Uh the title of the poem is To Whom It May Concern. Uh so here we go. Um, to whom it may concern. These writings exist to convey my discontent with the profession and its practices the selfish decisions that contribute to malpractice. These millennial plantations and these old world factories, this new world colonization where students become slaves and their minds are then captured. It's a shame that some of you have been trusted with such importance because your motives and your wills are only in accordance with your wants and your needs and your wishes and your dreams. And your definition of success is how you want all of us to succeed. And us don't even want that. Sincerely, future ex-educator. Oh my God! Drop the mic. He's supposed to snap on good <laughs> stuff, so we gonna snap on that one right there. <laughs> um, so Chaz, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit. Oh my God, my home yeah. skillet biscuit. Let's talk. So you said that you have been to about how many different schools now? I've been in three schools. Three schools. Yeah. So how much has the? Um, I don't want to say like the principal, but the administration. How? If you can word it for us, good people. Yes, ma'am. How is that, like, played into you moving? But then also, like, how are the differences in different schools or the differences that you have had alone? Like, what are some some good things, but also, like, some things that are like, you know, this is something that needs to be changed? Right. Um, when it comes to schools, uh, I believe and I, I believe in, in this saying that I hear a lot. Um <laughs> And uh, some people, and they tend to use it when they're talking about families, and they say, you know, um, and I think to some extent it's it's mostly true, right? So, like, so goes the father, so goes the family, mm-hmm. right? And, and, of course, there's always anomalies and exceptions. But for the most part, so goes the father, so goes the family, right? The head of the house, right? What yeah. direction he goes in, that's the direction we all going in. Yeah. And I believe that's true when it comes to school, right? So goes the administration, so, so goes, goes the school. school. And uh, so my first my first school, right, where I was actually student teaching, I believe that the administration was 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 very adequate and they knew exactly what they were doing, what they were trying to get to. But they also believe they considered the whole child. Mm -hmm. Right. And there were some things I didn't necessarily agree with that didn't fit with my teaching style necessarily. But I wouldn't mind going back to that school. um, Right. It was difficult being there at first trying to figure out how to fit in. But um, 
I believe that that administration had the welfare of those children at the core of what they were doing. And I believe that's why they succeeded so much in, in, the, in every year that they've been in existence. They've had success. Um, and I believe uh, that's what's wrong with a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so last year, you know, uh, you know, the school I was in last year, the school I'm in this year, right, and, and what a lot of schools, the focus is on data, 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 yeah. data, however you want to say it, that's what they focus on. <laughs> um, it's numbers. It's all numbers. And in 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 the mix of all those numbers, we've forgotten the people. Mm. Like, we've forgotten the teachers that's got to teach every day. We've forgotten the students that got to come to school every day. And, and students and teachers got to come to work despite what's going on, right? Yeah. And, like, I, I, I literally had a panic attack the the Sunday after fall break because hmm. I didn't want to go back to school. <laughs> I Because I've like I've been stressing so much, and I had just went to a funeral the day before, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was coming back to some chaos that I had no control over. Um, but I also knew I wanted to be there, so it was just a, overwhelming. And I'm saying, like, if the administration is not going to do its part to set up the success of the school. I can only do what I'm allowed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um and 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 those kids will only do like I don't I don't care what you say about a teacher, right? You I can do as much as I can in my classroom, but if the school's culture does not support my classroom culture, yeah. my classroom culture will eventually diminish, right? Yeah. But it's like true. the beginning of this, this year I had some issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I had but I had some culture. But as the school year went on and they realized one nothing finna happen outside this classroom, they brought what was outside the classroom into, into the, classroom, the classroom and there was nothing I could do about it. It's you know, I mm-hmm. yell all day. I'm a horse right now. I've been a horse since August <laughs> two thousand seventeen. <laughs> I ain't heard my regular voice in three months, okay? I ain't heard mine. Um five years. Yeah. My five years. <laughs> it's not five years, Paige, but <laughs> it's, my five years. it's just man, um that top down leadership mm-hmm. it don't work. Don't work. But but that's how we run everything. That's how the state is running it, that's how the schools are running it. Like mm-hmm. This is what we want. This is what you do. Now go do it. And we ain't considering the school or the students or the community or the teacher or anybody. Yeah. The janitorial staff, we don't consider anybody mm-hmm. and what needs to be done to support the vision. And it's it's hard to be a part of a vision that you don't Not necessarily agree with mm-hmm. or didn't help. Put together. Yeah. And yeah. so... I feel you on that one. Or when there's not a clear road on how to get to the vision. Because sometimes I agree with the vision. Right? Like, I agree with the vision that I'm under now. That's my soul. The the vision that I'm under now, I agree with it wholeheartedly, and I want it to happen. I Uh really want to do my part to make it happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. But when there's not a clear road on how we're supposed to get there, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. But you're going to blame me for not doing something. Mm -hmm. But you ain't tell me what to do. Oh, I hate that. hate that so much. Paige, you got anything to add? Um, huh. I mean, she pretty much said uh, a <laughs> mouthful. Ma'am. Um, it does it does start with the leadership. I mean, period. So, I mean, that's important. Like, I I feel like a lot of is that? I feel like I hear a lot of teachers say, "Well, it's not really the kids." Yeah. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> 
If it's not the kids, then who is it? That's my story since I've been a teacher, and I'm sticking to it. I love these bad kids, <laughs> right? You better love your bad kids. <laughs> no, they bad too, and they know it. They yes. know they bad. <laughs> yes, they do. But we could fix it if we had the resources. You mm-hmm. had the resources to fix them bad kids. Y'all be under money, huh? And, and the re- some of the resources don't even require money. We still ain't got them. Dang. That's true. Truth. That's true. Than Okay. Okay. So, um, I have just a little bit left to say um, to you guys. So, about you guys being teachers and all and all that good stuff. I just want to thank you guys so much. Um, yeah. Not only for coming on my podcast and talking, but I want to thank you guys for being teachers because I know it's a very hard job to have. Um, I love y'all as my big sisters. I love you, girl. Oh, and I love y'all as teachers. Um, I just want to say those kids are blessed to have you, too. They bless y'all still there. Praise God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. So big question, overarching question for each of you. Is your why sustaining you right now? Like your reason why you started teaching is it sustaining you? <laughs> oh, that is a good question. My why? Yes, it is. Come on, that is the only thing that's sustaining me. Preach. Because what's your why? My why? The kids. I love those kids. I promise, I love those kids. It's like just knowing that the the fatherless. The um the the kids that I've forgotten about, like, man, uh, I I just can't see myself like in any other place mm-hmm. because I feel like the kids that I serve, they need so much love. Um, they need, oh, I just feel like I have to be there every day mm-hmm. to to. To teach them, I have to be there every day to love on them. Yeah, and it's so much more than teaching. It's like, ooh, it's like this is our future. Yeah. These kids are our future, and we have to value them as such. Like, uh, there are doctors, there are, um, I don't know, just everything 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 in in the building that I teach in and if I don't come in with the mindset to inspire to bring that out of them then what am I doing like so in the midst of this oh anxiety that I feel and I promise I'll be feeling it I just at the end of the day I remember like man I have those moments where I'm just like Lord this is why, this is why I'm doing it for these kids. Like, I don't know what they're going to be. And no. they may not be getting it at home or wherever, but I have to show them something different if I can. And I just have to be the best that I can be for them so that they can reach mm-hmm. their full potential because they deserve, like, they deserve to be taught well. They deserve to have opportunities that the world says, they are not entitled to yeah. like they deserve that so that's my that's really my why that's what's up Chad is your why sustaining you and what is your why uh, right um, definitely at the, at the core of my why right is, yeah. is Jesus right mm-hmm. um, at the center of it all praise God <laughs> <laughs> I hate you but anyways um, it's definitely right it's, it's Jesus and and uh, 
I can't remember the, the guy that wrote the quote, but it was the quote that I gave you last week. And it was education, right? It was the, the transformation from darkness to light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is essentially, right, which is very true, right? That's what Jesus did for us, right? Mm-hmm. Brought us from darkness into light. Mm-hmm. And and that's what and that's because we were educated about who Jesus was and, and what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were able to come from darkness into light, light and to be made aware uh, of, of our need for information about him and our need to be saved by him. And uh, since I saw that quote, right, it, I've been able to see the gospel and what I'm doing, right, and just like— mm-hmm educating these children and what they don't know and so that they can see what they don't know so they can know that there's more information that they need mm-hmm. to know so that they can move from from darkness to light in, in whether it's in history right and they, whether that's that's their darkness or math is their darkness mm-hmm. or science is their darkness mm-hmm. right um they need to, to need information and the tools to be able to to, to transcend that mm-hmm. and to go where they need to go and so uh it's very difficult, especially mm-hmm. for me right now. Yeah. It is sustaining me, but I don't know if it will keep me there. Mm-hmm. But while I'm here, that's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paige, you got something to say? And I just wanted to add one more thing um, that just sticks with me. And my principal said it. She said that education is the great equalizer. And it is. <laughs> and I, I just, oh. I, I feel like for our babies... And I'm babies. talking about our, uh, y'all know, our babies, <laughs> our babies, our babies, them babies, deserve to have a chance to be equal in this world. And education is the great equalizer. And because that is the truth, then it's my job to make sure they are being educated. Go ahead, then. See, that's why I'm grateful for y'all, man. Let me tell you right now, man. You feel me? Okay, I sound like your fiance. <laughs> I sound just like a fiance. <laughs> Mine. Mine. That's my brother. Nobody been able to say that about my brother. That's just Memphis, mine. That's, that's just, I mean, that's just Memphis, Memphis mine. Shout out to Carlos. Carlos and Chico came to town. We went to it at the comedy club, uh, Chuckles. So, um, thank you guys again. Um, You're thank welcome. you for that closing. Yeah. Thank wonderfully. you. And at this time, I'm going to leave you with Bodagrella by Summerella. You can find it on Spotify. Um, YouTube and anywhere else Um, and so always know guys that Kiki loves you and I'll see you guys next week bye The preceding is an OWN production. For more information, go to theoamnetwork.com.